the cover of this bulletin, they're always intentionally selected, but this is a distorted fatted calf. That's the um, cow face, <laughs> and it's there for a reason. Let us pray. Lord God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to open up those things in our individual hearts that we need to see from this particular passage. It is so rich, and it is so much your message. So I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. During one of our trips to Kenya, the people of Kabugwa Church killed a goat, and they hosted this feast for us. And the celebration was held in their sanctuary. But at the time, I don't think we were aware of the fact of what they were giving us. We were so consumed with whether or not we liked the goat that that kind of became the focus. It was what on our, was on our plate. Could we eat this? Will this be good? And we sort of missed the overall picture. In essence, they actually killed the fatted calf for us. And in that culture, the goat was better meat than cow meat. It was the epitome of a wonderful meal. And it was only, this is sort of sad, in writing this sermon that I realized that they offered us a feast in celebration of our partnership and in celebration of a bit of healing that had taken place among some of the people in the partnership. Those missed celebrations, God has for us the fatted calf, the best, the most delectable feast in a multitude of ways in words, in scripture, in action, God tells us, I have killed the fatted calf for you. I celebrate you. Just get real with me and receive the love you need from me. You can try to receive it elsewhere, but you need to receive it from me. Get real. Come to your senses. It's a me message that is contained in the best short parable story in the Bible. It has the entire gamut of emotions, and every single one of us is in this parable one way or another. And some of us have been known to be all of these people in a single day. <laughs> there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And the father divided the property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together everything he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth and was involved in wild, wild living, seeking the far country. It's a human theme. It's a literary theme theme, and it's our personal themes. Just two generations ago, my relatives left the old country. All four of my grandparents left Norway and Sweden to go to a place unknown where they, would sh where they were so sure that life would be better, and they, that they thought that they could find here what was missing. When I was in my 20s, after being snowed in with my sixth grade students in a school outside of Chicago, 
a lot of things came together and I thought, I gotta get out of here. So I moved to California where I thought everything would be better. A guy who I was supposed to marry was living in San Diego. The sunshine was there throughout the entire year. There was exciting progressive thought going on. And then in the 1980s and later, but the 1980s were a huge decade for this, the church across the country said, the people in the church across the country said, let's leave the tradition. Let's leave the mother church. Let's leave God the Father and find God elsewhere and find him on our own terms. It's an old theme played out in a variety of ways. Leave home to find something better. Who knows what was in this younger son's head and heart, but we all know what it is to believe that the grass is greener somewhere else. The younger son, due to his wild living and money squandering, found himself in a desperate and humiliating situation. He had nothing and no one when a severe famine came upon the land, and he was forced to hire himself out as a day laborer, which is shameful in itself, but for a man accustomed to wealth, the shame was compounded and then compounded further because he was forced to feed the pigs. And it says in Jewish law, cursed is the man who tends swine. And he was starving and he was longing even for pig food. And then something happened to him. He came to his senses. It's like he woke up. It was a turning point. It was the turning point. Know yourself and know God. There are those moments when these two things come together and we might not have words for this knowledge, but suddenly we get it. Oh, I know who I am. I'm a sinner. I know who God is. He is the only one who can save us. And these coming to our senses, it's the clarity before conversion. It's the clarity before true confession. A lot of times it's the clarity before hitting rock bottom. It's knowing that our thoughts and actions have taken us away from God, recognizing sin. And I cannot tell you how unpopular the whole concept of sin is in our culture and in Presbyterian culture, but in the culture as a whole, as a whole, we feel entitled to cultivate every thought and every feeling, no matter who or what it hurts. But the truth comes when we come to our senses and realize that beyond being created in God's image and therefore being given inherent, inherent human dignity, beyond all that, we know who we are. We really don't deserve much. And that's a spiritually healthy moment when we come to our senses. And at the instance we say to God, I need you, 
or I blew it, or help me, there is a great celebration in heaven because the occupants of eternity are killing the fatted calf for us. He came to his senses about the truth, about himself and God. And he said, I will go back home to my father and say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to the father and he came to his senses and he acted and he went home. He went home and he expected nothing. He knew he was entitled to nothing. And here is where we learn of the nature of God, the father, whose grace and love is so overwhelming that people cannot take it in and just hear the words, but they don't know what's behind the words because it's too much beyond what we ever could deserve. He loves us and forgives us when we turn to him, or in this case, walk toward him. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. I can't imagine how the father felt to see his beloved son emaciated and in rags. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the celebration began. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. It's what God does. It's what Christ does. Celebrates the loss when they come home. But then there was one who did not run away from home. It was the older son who was responsible, kept the rules, was loyal, tried to do the right thing. The responsible song hung in there through the tedium of the daily rut. He hung in there. He heard party noises. He heard music and dancing. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? And he was told, your brother returned and they're celebrating. Your father killed the fatted calf. And the older son was angry and refused to go in. And his father left the party and pleaded with him. And the older brother said, all these years, I've been slaving for you. And I never disobeyed you. And you never gave me even a goat to celebrate with my friends. But when brother comes home, after wasting all of his money and living a wild life, you are giving him a party and you killed the fatted calf. My son, the father says, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad. Your brother was dead and now he lives. He was lost and now is found. If the responsible one could stop focusing on personal hurt and perceived injustice, and focus on the Father, he too can come to his senses and see the compassion, grace-filled love of the Father and embrace home. At the instant, we realize that we're loved. At that instant, loved by God in a way 
that is unfathomable. That's the fatted calf being killed. At our officers' training a couple of weeks ago, we have great church leadership. We really do. We were playing around with a simple phrase to use for our church, for signage, for the internet, for whatever, to kind of let people know who we are. And what we came up with is come home. Come home to tradition. And then maybe a dot, 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 and to the Holy Spirit. Come home to the tradition and dot, 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 to God's grace. But the first part would be come home. There is something fundamentally important in knowing our home is with God and our family are the people who love God and love Christ. Our worthiness has been given to us through Christ's sacrificial love and we need to be home with other recipients of grace in order to not keep this to ourselves and not become a chummy club of people but to love a hurting world, to love the world and each other. Let us pray. We are in this parable, dear Lord. Help us to see the truth you want us to, truth, to see. Nothing could be more solid, more profound, more forgiving, and more embracing than your love. Amen.